Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. I have a few observations about celebrating Christmas that I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks. And again, next Sunday, John Grunewald's going to be here, and that only leaves me the 19th and the 22nd uh, as far... uh, as far as messages between now, between the end of today's message and Christmas Day. And that's okay. The truth I want to share with you is important enough to focus on almost exclusively. So I'd rather have a short message about it than uh, construct a longer message and have this just be one point of it. But let's start by opening your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, and I would encourage you to come with a Bible and actually look at this in your Bible, but of course, if you don't have it, we'll have these scriptures up on the screen. Mark chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. Now, when we look at this, the calling of the first disciples and the appointment of the twelve apostles, we think of the beginning of this great mentoring process. And it was. It was certainly that. And we look forward, as we read this, if we know our Bibles, we look forward to a little bit later in the story when he sent the seventy out, two by two, to preach to heal, and to cast out demons, which they did, and they came back excited. Remember that? Lord, it works. The things you taught us, they work, and we've been able to teach them, and the power you gave us, it works. Even the demons are fleeing from us. We've got power over them, and uh, we know what's coming. Uh, And we also know that Jesus taught things to his disciples in private conversation that he didn't share with the multitudes. Remember? He would teach parables, and then he'd pull his disciples aside and say, let me explain this to you. These people, this group over here, aren't ready to hear this, but I'm going to reveal this to you. Here's exactly what I meant by that, and so on. Um, They worked closely with him. They got to observe his example 24-7, and I have no doubt that they received some very specific instructions on how to do the ministry uh, and the things he was calling them to do. But what I want us to see here today is that first thing. The first thing they were called to do is what? Be with him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, etc. This was the priority, to be with Jesus. They could not learn from Jesus without being with Jesus. They couldn't receive authority from him without being with him. And here's what I want you to really think about. What happens when you are with someone? When you're with them often? What happens when you're with them all the time? I'm going to tell you a couple of stupid stories to illustrate. I would tell you good, deep, uh, moving stories if I had them. But the only thing that came to mind when I was preparing this were these two stupid stories. But I think they work to illustrate this. Uh, And once again, I'm going to drag Jeff Canfield into the first part of one of these well, into one of these. We, uh, in high school, we were in chorus. Again, as the manliest of men were. And uh, 
During this time, before I get to the chorus part, there was a phrase that was fairly common, spoken by us kind of ironically, and it was the equivalent of a, hey, how you doing, or what uh, later became, uh, what was the ubiquitous, what's up? Remember, it used to be what's up. Well, back then, people used to say, what it is. Anybody remember that? What it is. What it is, brother. What it is, brother. And so uh, Jeff took this question as a philosophical challenge. That's a question. There must be an answer. If somebody asked me what it is, I want to be able to tell him what it is. It was kind of a joke, okay, but this was his uh, quest. And, and I think what's kind of triggered it, there was a, a semi-famous comedy routine by Andy Griffith from years ago. Anybody remember what this was? What this was? It's called What It Was Was Football. Anybody ever hear that comedy uh, monologue by Andy Griffith where he describes a football game from somebody who doesn't know what, from the standpoint of somebody who doesn't know what football is. And that's the name of it. What it was, was football. There was also, this was kind of strange, when, when uh, mom and dad were attending Rama, this was actually, I think, a theory that somebody half seriously uh, put forward, which was that when people began to speak in tongues, uh, they noticed that uh, one person's prayer language might be quite different from somebody else's. And of course, we've heard that, we've experienced that. But this person theorized that the word, no matter what your prayer language was or sounded like, every prayer language had the word Shandai in it. Anybody remember this? This was true. Somebody really put that for no matter what it was. So Shandai must be something significant. And it, it's kind of one of these theories that blew up really quick and went away. And Dad even talked about, like, right in the middle of one of his classes, another instructor swung the door open and went, Shandai! And then shut it and walked out just to kind of have fun with it. But, uh, and I don't take credit for this theory. I give all credit to Jeff Canfield. He's the one who said that there are three questions. What was it? In other words, what it was, what it is, and what it will be. And what it was was football. And what it will be is Shandai. So we're still left with what it is. And we were singing this song, <laughs> learning this song in chorus. And I wish I could, I don't even remember what the song was, but it, it was one of those silly ones. You know, it wasn't a great... I, you know, I told you a story, I told a story, I think, during Dad's uh, funeral about how we learned songs that really weren't fit for choral arrangements. They were pop songs adapted to, and I hated singing those. I'd rather sing a choral, choral chorus-like song. But anyway, whatever this song was, the, the main uh, tune was carried by uh, some, I don't know what, what groups, but then the bass section, which was us, had to answer with this phrase, that's what it is. And it was just stupid. Do you even remember this? This song? I don't remember what the song was, but the, the, the ladies were saying, blah, 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 blah. That's what it is. And as soon as we sang it for the first time, we looked at each other. That's what it is. <laughs> so then we had it. We had our, what it was was football, what it is what was whatever this stupid song was, and then Shondai's what it will be. And we started laughing. I'm sure that Mr. Cahill put down his baton and glared at us and told us to shut up while we went on with learning the song. But now, fast forward to, uh, I don't know, 10, 11, maybe 12 years later, and I am on the road to, uh, I was living in Alabama at the time, and a friend of mine named Joe came down to visit me, and we decided to drive down to the Gulf Coast, which was only three hours away or so, spend the night, and uh, I'd come back to work the next day. And we had the radio blasting on the way down there. And uh, one of the songs that came on was... Uh, Logical Song by Supertramp. Anybody remember that one? 
When I was young, it seemed that life was so blah, 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 blah. Anyway, and then during the bridge or the chorus or something to this song, there's a line that says, please, please tell me what you've heard. I know it sounds absurd, but please tell me who I am. Remember that? I know it sounds absurd, but please tell me who I am. It's, it's a jumpy little song, but just kind of one of these, uh, the lyrics really didn't move us. But we're singing along with it because we'd just sing as loud as we could in the car. And uh, now here's the other thing. We were both big Fogelberg fans. Dan Fogelberg, not that other Fogelberg guy. Dan Fogelberg was who we, uh, was kind of our go-to guy. So we plugged in an old, I'm sure it was a cassette tape, plugged in... Uh, Home Free by Dan Fogelberg. And there's a song on there called The River. Wasn't a hit. So unless you're a Fogelberg fan, you don't know this song. But it was a song about being raised in Peoria. I was born by a river. Anyway, and there was a line in that song. Now this is an hour or so later, after we've been listening to the radio. Hour or so later, we plug in the Fogelberg song, uh, Fogelberg tape. Here's the song, The River. And there's a line in there where it says, It told me how I should travel. It told me who I was. And the way my brain was firing at that moment made me think of the Supertramp song, Please, Please Tell Me Who I Am. And I'm furiously trying to make some connection between those two lines when Joe pipes up and says, So I called the guy from Supertramp and told him to go to the river to find out who he was. You know, just, we're, we were just thinking the same thing. It's insipid, idiotic, I know. But just something about being in that moment made, me, made us, we were thinking the same thing. Here's what I want you to see. I, this is going somewhere, I promise you. In both these cases, I was, the way I was thinking was strongly influenced, possibly entirely directed by who I was with at the moment. That insignificant part of the song, that's what it is, might have just struck me as silly or stupid in any other setting, but with all the faux, serious, philosophical discussions Jeff and I had had about that phrase, what it was, what it will be, and what it is, as soon as I heard that's what it is, I knew he was thinking the exact same thing. I wouldn't have looked at anybody else in that room and said, that's what it is, because nobody else would have got it. But because I was sitting next to Jeff, that's where my brain went. Same when I was riding in the car with Joe. I don't think I would have even made that mental connection except we were both kind of always thinking the same thing. Because of who I was around, it influenced the way, not just the things I said and the things I did, but the way I thought. What happens when you're with somebody all the time? You begin to think like they do. You speak like they do. You act like they do. You become like them. You become like who you hang around. Listen, you've got kids You've got friends, you've got a spouse. Can you tell who they've been hanging out with when they come home and start speaking a certain way? I'm not talking about, are they cussing and stuff like that, or at least I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about, there's sometimes, uh, Riley will come home and I said, you've been hanging out with so-and-so just because of the inflection in his words sometimes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all do. I know you see the connection to Jesus here, but there's more, and I will be getting back to Scripture in a minute. This becoming like who you hang around with goes both ways. We influence one another, right? Now, most of the time, there's an imbalance, uh, for better or for worse. There's a, uh, 
I would do this illustration, but I, would, I, would, I probably should have gotten permission to, to do it uh, with somebody first. But if, if, uh, if I were to, um, Sean, come over here. Let's try this. It's unrehearsed. I don't know how this is going to work. It's not a trust fall thing. But let's just do a quick tug of war. All right, you pull me that way. I'll try to pull you this way. Ready? Go. All right. More or less even. Now get up here. Now get up there and try to uh, go up another step. Now let's go. Ready? Go. Now. That was a lot easier. He's, we're about even pulling straight on level ground. But when he's up there and I'm down here, he's trying to pull me up. I'm trying to pull him down. It's a lot easier to pull somebody down to your level than it is to pull them up to your level, right? Let's give my demonstrator a hand. Thank you, Sean. Sometimes the influence has more to do with the situation you're in rather than the inherent strength of the individual. But on the other hand, Rainey, come over here. <laughs> Quick tug of war, all right? Ready? Go. That was easy. Come over here. Whoop, 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 whoop. You stay on the floor. And pull me down. Ready? <laughs> Give Rainy a hand. Now, it was easy to pull her sideways. Still kind of easy to pull her up because I'm so much stronger, more powerful, in every way more glorious. I will tie that in with a scripture in a moment. I just want you to, I want you to see that. Sometimes it's the strength of the individual. Sometimes it's the level, level playing field. But in our relationships, it's the person with the stronger personality that is going to exert the most influence. Uh, this is kind of an embarrassing story. But when we moved down to Tulsa, when, when, when Cheryl and I were freshmen, in fact, we weren't freshmen yet. It was the summer before our freshman year. We went on a trip to Six Flags with our new youth group. We knew nobody. Looking back, I'm surprised I did it because I'm enough of an inter introvert that that made me very uncomfortable. But I did meet a guy on that trip who became a good friend of mine. But I was... Uh, how would I describe myself? I, I've described myself often for many years in those... Uh, early days of being a Christian, uh, someone who had zeal but lacking knowledge. It was very important for me to be saved, but I knew nothing about transformation, discipleship, character, things like that. So there was, st there was still a lot of worldliness in me. And uh, what I remember is coming back, our, our car, you know, we, we didn't have a bus or anything. We were all riding in different youth leaders' cars. And ours got lost, and we had some time to make up. And I remember... Uh, the youth leader driving particularly fast because he didn't want to be in trouble for getting us home late. I mean, we weren't supposed to be home till nearly midnight anyway. And as we passed a car on the highway, the car honks and the guy makes an obscene gesture at us, which I thought was hilarious as a freshman just because it was ornery. And so when we get back to the parking lot, I run to my new friend, Darren, and I said, oh man, check this out. While we were riding on the highway, we must have been doing 90, and we, pay, we weren't doing 90, I'm sure, but I like to 
exaggerate a little bit. I'm trying to sound cool. We must have been doing 90, and this dude flipped us off as we went by, man. He just hung his fist out there and honked, made sure he got our attention. And, his, and, and my, my new friend, Darren, looks at me and says, yeah, why do people do that, man? Now, everything clicked so fast. You kind of had to be there. But this was the most mature Christian reaction. It was much more than I expected from a peer. But it came from his heart, and it hit me so fast. So here's the way it went. <laughs> this dude, I'm making myself sound dumber than I sounded, but probably not much. This dude, it was so funny that he gave us the finger. It was so funny that he did this and got our attention. And my friend goes, yeah, I know. Why do people do that? And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> he changed me. I immediately wanted to be more like him than, than like me because I admired that, that kind of response. And I knew instinctively in a fraction of a second that that should have been my response. So I just adopted it because he had a strong personality. Now, people with strong personalities don't always influence for the good, do they? But now look at this. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines into the dark, in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or overcome it. Now skip down to verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt or lived among us. Remember that when he did that, the Bible makes it clear, he laid down his divine attributes, except for his sinlessness. He really was all God but the glory, and all man but the sin. I don't like to put it crassly, and I can't remember the originator of this quote, but I agree with it. Jesus took a big risk in becoming human. God with us, Emmanuel, is a beautiful sentiment. But he took this risk in order to be with us. He gave up a lot in order to be with us. You remember the lyrics to the hymn, And Can It Be? Amazing Love? There's a line in there that says, He left his Father's throne above, so free, so infinite his grace emptied himself of all but love, and bled for Adam's helpless race. Never forget that he knew from the beginning what the plan was. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to bleed. He knew he was going to die, this sacrificial death. But he was the Word from the beginning. The Word was God. The Word was with God. This is where he was. And look at what he left to come here 
Do you understand the difference between here and there? When we talk about being excited in this lively hope of heaven. Here's what Jesus himself prayed in, in John chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. There is something heartbreaking to me about this prayer because it makes me think about what Jesus left to accomplish his mission. The throne, the glory that he had with God. And he's expressing here, there's an element of, I miss it. I have glorified you, I have fulfilled my mission, and I'm ready to be with you physically, presently, again. And we know that the Father was with him while he was on the earth, right? He was full of the Holy Spirit, but there was still a difference while he was here. Same with us. And this is what I just this is all I really want you to see. What Jesus left in order to be with us. This becoming flesh was not a casual undertaking. Jesus was willing to sacrifice a lot in order to be with us. Let alone die for us. Here's what it boils down to, at least as I see it for us. What are we willing to sacrifice to be with him? I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about being with him. If we as disciples are called to be with him before we can be sent out, before we can minister effectively, just like they had to be with him, we have to be with him. I've said before, and I still believe it, that one of the nice things about prayer, especially praying in the Spirit, is you can multitask. You know, maybe instead of listening to the radio or listening to music, you can pray on the way to work. You can pray in the shower. You can pray while you're mowing the lawn. You can have conversations with God while you're doing anything. Uh, not anything, but, but uh, almost anything else. Uh, I, I like I like the multitasking uh, tasking aspect of prayer, but sometimes I do worry that we do that because I, there might be in some cases a manifestation of a lack of faith. I know I got some praying to do, but I'll do it while I do these other things. That way, in case my prayers aren't effective, I'm at least getting something done. We allow for the possibility that our praying is a waste of time. Now, I know we don't consciously think that, but I think we open up the, the door to that idea if at some point we don't set aside time to pray. Because even though I, I agree we can multitask, Barbie, will you shut that off? <laughs> I just heard a quote. I didn't hear it from her. I heard it about her. This is my, my wife's uh, sister and, and mother. I maybe met her, Barbie and Edna, up here. Good to have you with us. But somebody, a few people remarked at how alike they look yesterday and she and she said i guess she said you can confirm or deny this that a lot of times people will mistake her for beth and she says when i realize they think i'm beth i just act awful 
can get away with a lot if people don't know it's you, right? So we can multitask. We can pray while we're doing any number of things. We can pray at all times. But Jesus himself, what, he talked about going into your closet, didn't he? Or your inner room, shutting the door and praying very intentionally. I'm not saying, and this isn't about judging, it isn't about being spiritually superior, it's not about a contest or anything like that. It's not, not, and we absolutely can pray, and we can sing, we can worship while we're doing other things. But uh, if our first calling, like that of the disciples, is to be with him, We want to be in a place of faith. We want to be walking in victory, right? We want to be, we know that when we face a battle, we are charged up, we're ready to go. We want to know that God is hearing us when we call him in times of crisis. We want to be doing the right things and doing them the right way, or at least we should want that. But we are kidding ourselves if we think we can achieve that without spending time with him. You become like who you hang around. You become like those you are with. Jesus was a strong enough personality to absolutely be the influencer in every situation, every circumstance. Those who spent time with him became like him. But notice that the most famous ones did it by walking away from everything else. When he called the disciples, he didn't say, hey, when you got a few minutes, come talk to me. He said, follow me. And they left their nets, they left their boats, and they followed him. At one point they said, we've left our families, we've left our homes to follow you. Now I'm not saying that every one of us is called to drop our, uh, what we do to, to make a living, leave our families. I am saying that we can probably set aside time specifically to do nothing but be with him rather than just try to shoehorn him into everything we are already doing. Do you see the difference? If we want to walk in perfect faith, if we want to walk in godly authority, we must be like him. And if we're going to be like him, we must be with him. And often that means being absent from the things that try to compete with the attention we need to be paying him. I don't want to belabor this. We could go on with examples. You know, if we spend 8 to 10 hours, maybe 12 hours a day at work, if we spend 6 to 8 hours or so sleeping, and we've got time for TV, we've got time for meals, we've got times to play games, exercise, do our hobbies, you name it, and then we cry out in frustration when we face a challenge, we face a crisis, and sometimes what we cry out is, where are you, God? God says, I've been right here. Where have you been? Let's don't beat ourselves up about this. This is, the, this is the happy season. What we need to do is simply acknowledge, if that's been the case, if that's been a pattern, let's acknowledge it's been a pattern and stop. Let's move on. Let's move forward. Let's make a decision today to do better because Jesus gave a lot to be with us. Let's make a point starting today of giving what we have to, to be with him. Praise and worship team, you can be coming up here. This is not a deep, mysterious solution. Comes back to uh, something you've heard a thousand times, but I'm going to say it anyway. How do we do this? If the key to being who we're supposed to be and doing what we're supposed to do in Christ is to be with him, 
And I say, what the point I've been trying to make anyway is, in this case, to specifically be with him is to be completely with him. Not like I'm thinking about him while I play uh, video games or, you know, just while I'm just while I'm driving. All these other things are fine. But if I, can I go into a closet? Can I go into an inner room? Can I separate myself from everything else for the purpose of being with him? All right, what does it mean then to be with him? One, pray. Find the time. Make the time to just pray when you're not doing something else. Because that is a demonstration of faith, that the time you are spending praying makes a difference. It works. It matters. It is never a waste of time. Second, you spend time in the Word. He is God's Word made flesh, and you cannot come to know Him without immersing yourself in the Word. What will happen? What has to happen as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time meditating in the Word, is you will cultivate an awareness of His presence. We know He's with us. But the more we cultivate the, the awareness of His presence, what happens? Just like when you are present with somebody else, you catch yourself speaking differently. You even catch yourself thinking differently. Why? Because you are becoming like the one you are hanging around. You become like the one you spend time with. Stand up with me. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.